Welcome to Encouraging Change, a podcast that explores the relationship between motivational interviewing and peer recovery support. Your hosts, Laura Saunders and Chris Kelly, will engage in a conversation that combines their professions and passions, the spirit of motivational interviewing, and the power of peer support. Laura is a Wisconsin State Project Manager for the Great Lakes ATTC, MHTTC, and PTTC, and a seasoned motivational interviewing trainer. Chris is a project manager for the Peer Recovery Center of Excellence and an expert on peer recovery support services. So thank you for joining us today and enjoy the podcast. Today on Encouraging Change, using motivational interviewing and peer support, we're going to do episode eight growth through discovery and co-learning. So today what we're gonna talk about is how peer recovery specialists coach, model, and provide information about skills that enhance recovery. Through their own lived experience and their professional wisdom and expertise, peers have the opportunity to do the work of uncovering and matching approaches to individual recoveries. Hi, Laura, how are you? I'm good, Chris. I'm excited to be on episode eight. We've yeah. come a long way. We've taught a lot of or talked about a lot of different motivational interviewing skills peers can use when working with individuals mm-hmm. and the stages we might work with someone in. So uh, peers work across the entire continuum of care and we work with people who are growing and changing and trying out new skills and sometimes revisiting old skills. Mm-hmm. And what I know is that that process can be really uncomfortable. Sometimes when we're working with a recovery, we might have some concerns about what someone wants to do. And so I was wondering and interested in learning more about from you in motivational interviewing, how do we raise concerns? Because we're surely going to have them. Yeah. Um, And we're also told to follow this person's plan. They drew the map and we're partner with them. Um, How might we do that? Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about um, being a person's guide, you know, not, not the, we're not just directing, we're not following them and we're their guide. And so if you think about from the, with the metaphor as a guide, a, a good guide wouldn't let you walk off a cliff, right? Like, so, so when we take that into the real world, that's what we want to do, right? We want to be such, we want to be good guides and let people determine their own path. However, if they're really going to hurt themselves, the compassionate thing is to say something about that. And so, because partnership is such a big thing. We would want to ask someone if we could share their, our concern. Most people are going to allow you, if you say, would it be okay? I've got some concerns about your plan or your ideas or what's going on here. Most people will allow you, especially if you've got a good relationship to share that with them. And then, you know, just be honest, tell them what's causing you worry. What's, what's got you concerned about the viability of this or the risk that might be involved. And then what's important is to reinforce that what ultimately happens, the, the choice that they make is really up to them. And no matter what, you'll keep your door open. So I don't know what your experience with that has been, how that's shown up in your work with recoveries. What do you think? Well, I think it shows up in a lot of different ways. And this is where I'll go back to building 
really intentionally building our skills as peers as we take a journey in becoming recovery coaches is really important because we might not it might not be intuitive on how to raise a concern in a respectful way that doesn't just close off the relationship or potentially cause the person not to be transparent with you mm-hmm. or be selective with what information they share with you because there might be some approval seeking there. And so we want to be really conscious of this and practice this skill in other areas of our life. Well, I was just thinking like it makes you just sort of think of you don't want to put somebody in the position of being afraid you're going to say, I told you so. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I told you so, or not getting to work with you anymore. Right. Right. They might feel I'm going to lose this really supportive relationship if I don't follow their recommendations. This person will be disappointed in me or yeah. 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 And to go in, that level of curiosity and openness that maybe something didn't work out for you, but it may work out for that recovery. And Mm -hmm. so they could be exploring something you tried out and it didn't work for you and they might be successful in it. You really do have to stay in this really curious, open-minded place to feel comfortable expressing that concern we are in a reciprocal give and take process with our recoveries and we've talked several times before and it's really foundational to peer support, but that is one of the ways that we're different from other helping professionals is that we really promote sharing our own experiences, but we need to pay extra attention to that process. The the word co-learning shows up a lot and I'm wondering what, how co-learning fits in with this. Yeah, so it's just kind of like I mentioned that that reciprocal process and that we truly are learning together. So that person and me have never, if they bring a circumstance to me, and even if I have some reservations about what they're proposing, and so inside maybe I have some red flags going up, never before in the history of time (laughs) has that moment happened where I as the coach and that individual have worked together on that particular circumstance. So really going into it, like even if I as a coach had bad experiences with that similar circumstance, I'm not bringing that into the relationship. Um, meaning I'm not going to steer them away and, and force them to choose a, a certain path. I'm going to remain open and honest and co-learn <laughs> what that experience um, has in store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keeping that door open for no, for for no matter what, I'm here to I'm here to discover. I'm here to ha- to learn more. I'm here to add to my knowledge base about things that are successful for people, mm-hmm. or things that seem to be less successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and, and coming alongside and creating some safety nets. Mm-hmm. So again, not steering them away per se to say, no, you can't do that. But if we have concerns about their health or wellness or safety or relationships that we create some safety nets with them mm-hmm. that we can help put in place. If we, if we do see, oh, that's like, if we do see an obstacle or a barrier or something come up that we think could be really harmful, 
and, and they're bound and determined to take that path, um, we want to help create safety nets. Mm -hmm. you, you've talked about a way to kind of, when people are considering something, so I talked about sharing concern, saying like, can I share my concern? And you've also talked about a strategy um, of extending the story. And I'm wondering how you've seen that work out. Yeah, so a lot of times, will work with an individual and say, so I can think of some circumstances. And so in particular around, um, I had, I was working with somebody who was going back to work after they had really kind of initiated and stabilized their recovery and they were returning to work. And one thing that was really important to them was going to happy hour with their colleagues after work. And so um, rather than me coming along and saying, no, that doesn't work. Oh, that sounds really stupid. Um, that's a bad choice. Or even that, hey, that didn't really work out well for me. We actually just took apart the circumstance and we talked about, yeah, it's really important to have th those relationships with your colleagues and, uh, and have those informal conversations outside of work. So we, you know, right away, validated that what they wanted to do was normal and and there were a lot of good reasons for wanting to go to this happy hour after work and then we talked about the ins and outs that surrounded that situation so how their immediate family member their other household members might have felt about it and how some friends might have felt about it and good or bad whether they were supportive or unsupportive just so that maybe they were thinking through that and then different circumstances about like in particular this person was really proud of the fact that they would be able to go out and drive home and even give other people rides home if they needed them so that was like a happy point around that circumstance and then maybe even talk through some difficulties they might have in that circumstance so were they telling their colleagues that they were no longer drinking so they didn't wind up with a a shot or a beer in front of them during the day and if they weren't telling them how would they address that? And so we just talked through extending that story of, I want to go out for happy hour. So let's look at different components that might go into going out for happy hour. Yeah. Using that, that spirit element of, of evocation, of being just genuinely curious about how this person envisioned this and, and like guiding them through and then this, and then this, and then this. And, and it sounds like you did that so respectfully that the person felt like they could really play it out and, and then use what they were playing out, their, their own concerns or not lack of concern to make the decision ultimately in the end for themselves. Absolutely, because it always is, right? It always right. is. It always is. Right, right, right. So as a peer, when we are working with somebody and we want to offer um, several different options or solutions, what would motivational interviewing say about that? How to do that? Yeah, I would say exactly what you just said, which is offer them in multiples. So don't make things seem like it's an either or, you have to do it this way, but offering things in what we call a menu of options. Here are some ideas. Here are a number of things I've seen work for people. Um, some of them work for me, I've seen them work for other people. So at, because you are that co-learner and that person who's gathering up and maintaining uh, information for others, you, you're in a position to say like, here's a whole bunch of stuff 
that I've seen. And so again, just saying it like that, here's a menu, here are some items that might work. What do you think? Or maybe you've got something else. Just like you yeah. just like you'd let a friend offer, you know, order off the menu. Think of it that way. I wouldn't just say like you can have this or this. You wouldn't force a choice. Let them mm -hmm. pick. Let mm -hmm. them. Well, and keeping that selection there, even if you're putting things on the menu that don't work for you. Yeah. <laughs> so and being right. genuine. And that'll work for you. Yeah, might not be your favorite dish, but it might be the thing that works for this person in front of you because never in the history has it been you and this person and in these exact situations and this exact moment in time i liked it when you said that so yeah well and using our our own experience as peers to remain empathetic and helpful and wise and keeping in mind that our way was one way and it's not mm -hmm. the only way just if we can use the menu of options, we can do that through extending the story. So really walking them through a, like visualize, what does this really look like? And what, what's coming up in your body when you're having this new experience or old experience anew? <laughs> mm -hmm. And again, providing those, helping build those safety nets out so that they don't feel at a loss or scrambling when something comes up because they've kind of mentally prepared for it with you as their coach. And then at the end, just really completely genuinely leaving the choice in the hands of the individual that you're working with. And then making sure, like you said earlier, Laura, that you can articulate my door is always open, um, no, regardless of the outcome. So today we had a short talk about how to raise concerns in the recovery coaching process and how we might value that person's autonomy and choice and still be able to be transparent and honest and empathetic as a peer ourselves and express those concerns. The main point too is that we don't have to fix or force people into change and our job is to create an atmosphere where change is always possible. So I look forward to having everyone join us in episode nine for creating safe spaces, helping peers to manage crisis. Thanks, Laura. Have a great day. You too. This podcast is sponsored by the Great Lakes ATTC, MHTTC, and PTTC, which are funded through cooperative agreements with SAMHSA. The opinions expressed in this recording are those of the speakers and do not represent the official position of SAMHSA or DHHS. Thank you again for joining us on the Encouraging Change podcast. If you are a new listener, please follow us on social media and don't forget to like and subscribe to the Great Lakes Current YouTube channel to access many more free products and resources just like this.